Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 49 and <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're actually going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and then end up in Genesis chapter 49. So if you would uh, go to Genesis 49 and put a, your ribbon or something there and then turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that would, that would be awesome. I have a question before we get started. Uh, how many of you men went to the men's conference last November in Sacramento? Okay, half dozen hands. Um, do you remember one of the speakers? His name was Bruce Fry. Okay, uh, just so you know, uh, he's he's going to be the evangelist for our revival in March. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, looking forward to uh, to that. I talked with him yesterday, and was able to uh, uh, get him here in March. So, uh, looking forward to having him. Last week, we ended in chapter 47 of Genesis. <clears throat> and the title of my message last week was <clears throat> uh, Our Need for God. And <clears throat> Genesis chapter 47 is a great reminder of our need for God. And as I, you know, I mentioned last week, as I read chapter 47, that, that thought just kept going through my mind. I need God. I, I cannot I cannot do this on my own. And that's what we talked about last week. And <clears throat> it is easy for us to lose our resolve when we lose our focus on Christ. Uh, this year our theme is uh, I am resolved. And <clears throat> it is so easy for us to lose that when we when we lose our focus. In chapters 48 and 49 of Genesis, Joseph, or excuse me, Jacob, <clears throat> Joseph's father, um, blesses Joseph and his sons. And then, in, in more in chapter 49, he he kind of gives a prophetic revelation, if you would, to the future of the the family, if you would. So we're gonna basically kind of skip chapters 48 and 49 and we're going to move right into the last verse in chapter 49 and then verse uh, chapter 50 this morning and as we think of Joseph's life at least at least I do and as, as I was trying to this this week as I was trying to bring all my thoughts together and in, in, in this final message on the life of Joseph, <clears throat> I, I kept coming back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 because I feel like Ecclesiastes chapter 3 describes the roller coaster ride that Joseph had in his life, all the ups and downs. The, 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 the good things that happened in his life, the bad things that happened in his life, it was, it, was a, it was a constant roller coaster in his life. So I, I wanted to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and let's start reading in verse 1. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes, if you didn't know it, is written by Solomon, uh, King David's son, 
Uh, and Solomon, uh, apart from Jesus Christ, is probably uh, one of the wisest men that has ever lived. And uh, so this is coming from a really smart guy to help us through life. Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, and a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God made from the beginning to the end. Periodically, I spend time in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And I, I, I will read it and I'll, I'll meditate on it because there are seasons that we all go through. Uh, <clears throat> there, are, there are good seasons that we go through and there are difficult seasons that we go through. There are seasons of uh, unbearable pain. And then there are seasons of unbelievable beauty. And they, they, these are the, this is, if, if you were to, to step back and take a look at <clears throat> Joseph's life, as we have been studying for several weeks or, or months, actually, um, we, we, we can see these cycles going through uh, uh, Joseph's life. And then when we step back and look back at our lives, we can see these same cycles going through our lives as well. Periods of, of uh, physical hardship and periods of physical blessing. It's all part of life and the, the, the cycle that takes place. But as I read chapter... 3 verse 11 this week the very first part of verse 11 reminded me that God is still in control no matter what is going on no matter what the season of life that we're going through God is in control and he hath made everything beautiful in his time and oftentimes when we are going through different cycles of life, it is easy for us to lose our focus on God. It is, it is easy for us to get our focus on our circumstances. 
and we lose track of the fact that God is always in control. Because we allow the circumstances of life to dictate to us our happiness and fulfillment. But Joseph didn't do that. And that is one of the, the more remarkable things about this man, Joseph. Jesus' <clears throat> half-brother, a guy named James, uh, there's a book in the Bible called James, and uh, he opens his writings with a, with a profound statement. In James chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4, it says, James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, if you were to stop reading right there, you would say James was a lunatic, right? But then he continues, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect or complete or thorough work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Have you ever wanted to live your life to the point where you want nothing? Where you are completely satisfied with everything that you have? That would be a wonderful place to be, wouldn't it? Well, how do we do that? By keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. And understanding when hard times come, hard times come for a reason. That's why James could say what he says. So in this final episode of Joseph's life and my, my final message on the life of Joseph, I want to look at three seasons of life that Joseph had to go through in, in chapter 50. Now, I, I entitled the, the message Three Seasons of Life, but I, I'm not talking about his entire life. I'm just talking about chapter 50 uh, of his life. He, went, he goes through three, three very important seasons in his life. I almost, I almost entitled it The Three Burials, uh, of, of Joseph's life. And I, I thought, well, that's a little morbid. So I didn't, I didn't really want to title it that. But we are going to talk about three things, three burials in Joseph's life in chapter 50. Two of them are literal burials, and one of them is <clears throat> figurative, if you would. Point number one, let's look at <clears throat> point number one, the burial of Jacob, his father. In Genesis chapter, hopefully uh, you have a piece of paper there or something. In Genesis chapter 49, <clears throat> let's start reading in verse 33. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, uh, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. 
thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, we ask that you would meet with us this morning and and that you would touch our hearts and that you would speak to our hearts and that you would change our lives. Lord, we need you this morning. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's an old saying that death is not an accident, it's an appointment. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, I don't particularly recommend this individual as a, as a moral person, but the, there's a guy named Woody Allen. And Woody Allen once said, it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Well, I've got some bad news for him. He's going to be there. We're all going to be there. Death is the unfortunate part of life. Now, most of you know that I lost my my dad this last June. And I can uh, understand somewhat of the heartache that that Jacob or that Joseph is going through here seeing seeing that his father had died but I appreciate the fact that Joseph mourned he wept for the loss of his father I remember sitting in my office after my dad had died and spending a season in tears there's nothing wrong with that in fact, I, let me kind of give you a little commercial here. Um, mourning the loss of someone is a healthy thing. Okay, that's a free. This is a free commercial. Look at look at verses three, uh, and uh, it says, "And and forty days were fulfilled uh, for him, and for all fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned." The Egyptians mourned for Jacob. Three score and ten days, or forty days, they, they mourned him. And when the days uh, of his mourning was past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh. So, <clears throat> now, let, let me say this. Although mourning is a healthy thing, there comes a time when mourning should be done. Because if we don't stop mourning, then we will never move forward. And Joseph here had mourning for 40 days, and he mourned, and he lost. And it doesn't, it doesn't erase the fact that he didn't still miss his dad. That, 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 it, it, he still missed his dad. But he got to the point where he said, you know what, enough's enough. I need to start moving forward. So mourning is a healthy thing. But excessive mourning can be depressive. And we need to be really, really careful when, when mourning and death come into our lives. And I want to remind us again of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4. It says, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Mourning is a healthy thing. But then there comes a time 
where we need to move on. Joseph had, or excuse me, Jacob had one request of Joseph before he died. Uh, and we'll read it in, in chapter 47. Uh, turn back, if you would, a couple pages in your Bible to Genesis chapter 47. In verse 29, it says, And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, uh, uh, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. So his one prayer in the end of his life was that he would not be buried in Egypt. He wanted to be buried with his ancestors in the land of Canaan. So turn back to chapter 50. In in verse 4, And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, if now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray thee, uh, in the ear of Pharaoh, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now, therefore, let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father according as he had made thee swear. So Joseph and his brothers traveled to the land of Canaan. They, they opened the cave. They put um, Jacob's body in with, with his father and, and um, Joseph, uh, Joseph's mother. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, also uh, Jacob's father. Uh, and they, they do all that. Look at verse 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. So the first burial is the burial of his father. So they, uh, he dies, they embalm him, they mourn him. They take him to the land of Canaan. They bury him with his father uh, and, and so on. And then they come back to the land of Egypt. Now, the second burial that we're going to talk about is, <clears throat> I believe, the most important burial that, that Joseph deals with in his life. Not just in chapter 50, but in his life. The second burial that I want to talk about this morning is the burial of a painful past. The burial of a painful past. Chapter 50. Let's read verse 15. And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will uh, peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, 
thy father did command thee before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brother, brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now, we pray thee, forgive the trespasses, <clears throat> the trespass of thy servants, uh, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And, the, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place, excuse me, for, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, the save to save much people alive. Once more, Joseph had to reassure his brothers that he wasn't going to hold the painful past over their heads. And Joseph had to bury the the, the painful past. Look back at verse 15, because this this is an interesting thing that takes place. Chapter 15 uh, <clears throat> when did chapter 15 take place? It says, and when, Joseph, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father had, was dead, uh, didn't they already know he was dead? They had traveled all the way to Canaan to bury him. So when did, this, when did verse 15 take place? Probably after they got back, the brothers all got together and said, you know what, we're in big trouble. Joseph is going to let loose on us now. Now that dad's gone, Joseph is going to let loose on us. And the 11 brothers got together because they were afraid of what Joseph potentially could do. And as we read this passage, we we think, because we know the end of the story, we think that how many times does Joseph have to say, hey, look, guys, I've already forgiven you. How many times does he have to say it? But the fact, you've got to understand, well, let me, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. He had already pledged to take care of them. He, gave, he had given them the best land in Egypt. So why did they worry so much? And as I was sitting there thinking the other day, I, I was trying to wrap my head around it. I was like, why, why were they so stubborn about this thing? And then I read, I read a, one of my commentators, I, a guy named Warren Wearsby wrote this, and I thought, and the light bulb just went on. He said this, he said, After all that Joseph had done to encourage them, it was cruel of his brothers to say, Joseph will perhaps hurt us or pay us back for what we did to him. But this is what he said, and and it makes so much sense. It says, we often suspect others what we, uh, excuse me, we often suspect in others what we would do ourselves if we had that opportunity. See, the brothers 
were hateful men. And had they been in Joseph's shoes, they would have lowered the hammer. And they, they couldn't understand how Joseph could just forgive and move on. There's an important lesson here. When we doubt God and wonder if he's going to pour out his wrath upon us, think about Joseph's brothers. God has every right in the world to pour his wrath out on mankind. Does he not? But he doesn't. He shows us unconditional love. And that is exactly what Joseph showed his brothers. And we live in a world of vindictive hate. When somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them. That's the name of the game. That's the world we live in. But that is not the world that Joseph lived in. And that is not the world that God sent his son to die for. They doubted Joseph's word, which caused them to question his love. When we doubt God's word, it causes us to question his love for us. The parallels here of the the gospel of Christ is incredible. When we give up hope for the future, we give up faith, hope, and love. But it all begins with faith. Faith. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When we lose faith, we start to doubt his word. And when we doubt his word, we question his love. It's that simple. In verse 17, we see here that says, and so when, uh, uh, and so they they uh, say it unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee. Now the trans- the trespasses uh, of thy brethren and their sin, and they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee. Forgive the trespasses of thy servants, of God, uh, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Can you imagine the deep hurt that Joseph experienced? The same reaction, he had the same reaction to this conversation with his brother's envoy as he did with the news of his father dying. He mourned. He wept. Why? Because it hurt him deep. I've already forgiven you guys. It was a deep hurt. 
Joseph must have summoned, summoned, summoned them to his house because in verses 17, or 19 and 20, they come before him and they bow down <clears throat> before him. In verse 20, it says, But uh, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. There's another important lesson here, and please get a hold of this. If you do not practice forgiveness, you will not understand when someone else forgives you. It's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. If you struggle with the fact that people can forgive you, then you are probably someone who does not know how to forgive. In the story of the prodigal son, we see a young man who struggles with this idea of forgiveness, how his father could forgive him. In Luke chapter 15, <clears throat> uh, we see a, a young man who, who we don't know exactly how old he is. He's probably in his late teens, early 20s, and, he, and he's anxious to go out and, 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 and live life, if you would. So he, he convinces his dad to give him his inheritance early. And he goes out and he blows his inheritance. And he realizes that he had made a huge mistake. And in Luke chapter 15 and verse 20 uh, and following, it says this, And he arose and came to his father. But when he uh, uh, was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And, and the son said unto, the, unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. What was he under? The, the, the son was, had, had, could not comprehend the fact that his dad could forgive him. He says, don't call me your son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is yet alive. Or, or excuse me, is, is alive again and was lost and is found and they began to be merry the story of joseph his ability to forgive wrongs done to him and in the story of the prodigal son the father that forgave the prodigal son is a wonderful picture of the love that god has for you and i unconditional love when we absolutely do not deserve it. What an incredible picture. And Joseph with his brothers, he, he buried the pain of the past. He said, you know what? I'm done with it. He had the ability to just say, you know what? I'm moving forward. In Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, it says, uh, Who is a God like unto thee, 
that pardoneth iniquity and passeth uh, by the transgression of the raiment of his uh, heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion unto us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou will cast all their sins into the deepest sea. That's how much God loves us. That's how much Joseph loved his brothers who did not deserve it. And that's how much the son, or the excuse me, the father loved the son. Joseph left behind many legacies. But in my opinion, I believe the greatest legacy that Joseph left behind was his ability to forgive. His ability to forgive. Too often, we get focused on the season of life that we're in. And we allow that season to control our thinking. We allow that season of life to dictate our happiness. But that's not how God has it planned for us. The brothers, look at verse 18. And when the brothers also fell down before his feet, they said, Behold, we be thy servants. The, the brothers, the 11 brothers were, were willing to become servants in order to protect their lives. They were willing to give up their freedom so that Joseph would not kill them. The prodigal son was willing to do the same thing. And in Luke chapter 15 and verse 19, it says, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. With God, all we have to do is ask and he will forgive. We see it in in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. Luke chapter 19 with a tax collector. Acts chapter 16 with a prison warden. Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch. Luke chapter 3 with the thief on the cross. And I could go on and on and on. All we have to do is ask. And God says, forgive it. And our sins are cast into the deepest sea. That's an incredible God. Joseph was an incredible individual. There's another important lesson I want to share with you that I learned in this, and that is that Joseph did not minimize their sin. He knew that their intent was evil, but he also knew that God was in control of the situation. Look back at verse 20. 
He says, as, as for you, ye thought evil against me. He did not candy coat it. He pointed his finger and he says, I know you, you had evil in your hearts when you did what you did to me. But God meant it for good. You know what? And I talked about this the other week, and please get a hold of this, because this is, this is critical to understanding the story of Joseph. I believe that what Joseph is saying in verse 20 is this. Had you not sold me into slavery like you did, which was an evil act, God would have gotten me to Egypt another way. I was going to Egypt whether you sold me or not. And the key to forgiveness, I believe, in the life of Joseph is the fact that he was always able to understand that God was in control of his life. As believers, we must be willing to forgive. We have to. We have to. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man hath quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Joseph's ability to forgive separated him from the majority of people in the world today. Let's learn to bury the painful past. Point number three, the burial of Joseph. And then very, very quickly, we'll be done. Joseph was an exceptional guy. I mean, it just, it was, his life was amazing. He, He was resolved to walk with God. You know, I don't know what people are going to say about me when I die. You know, I, I really don't. But I hope, my prayer is, that when I die, people will say he was a faithful man. Other than that, I don't care. I just want to be faithful to the end. Joseph was faithful. Joseph Joseph trusted the promises of God to the very end. Let's look at verse 22. And Joseph dwelled in in Egypt, and he and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years. Now, that's one thing. I don't want to live 110 years. Just saying, okay, just saying. You know, I, I understand God has that, you know, God has that timetable. I hope it's not that long. <clears throat> and Joseph saw Ephraim's children and the third generation of the children also 
of uh, Mychar, uh, the son of Manasseh, were brought uh, up uh, upon Joseph's knee. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and uh, God will surely visit you and bring you out of the land, out of uh, the land which uh, he, uh, excuse me, unto the land uh, which he swore unto Abraham, uh, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. And Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and, uh, and he was put in a casket in Egypt. <clears throat> I don't know that Joseph understood everything that God was doing in his life every moment. But I do believe that Joseph understood that God had a master plan for his life. And he was willing to allow God to play out that master plan. And Joseph experienced the seasons of life that we talked about in Ecclesiastes. The ups and downs of life, the good times and the bad times, the sad times, the happy times, and all of the things in between. He was willing to allow God to have his way in his life. Now we do know in Exodus chapter 13, verse 19, that Moses uh, takes Joseph out of Egypt uh, when, when all that takes place. In uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 19, it says, and, Joseph, excuse me, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, uh, for he straightly uh, swore the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away from uh, hence with you. And Moses carries Joseph's bones, they take the coffin and they take him out of Egypt and they bury him in a place called Shechem. And uh, just for those of you that are weird like me, um, Shechem will eventually become the <clears throat> capital city, if you would, of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, who were his sons. And uh, so I just found that to be interesting. And let me close with this, okay? Uh, I'm 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 right on time, so don't don't be don't be angry with me. But let me close with this. When you consider the life of Joseph, it is truly remarkable that he never became bitter and hateful. All the, all the hardship that he went through, not one time was he bitter or hateful. Joseph was a man who was resolved. And I want to share with you the five ways that he was resolved. Now, the guy running the soundboard has already told me he may not put these up because he didn't like them. <laughs> because the, these, these five things demonstrate how Joseph lived his life. Number one, he allowed God to work in his life. Or we would say Joseph was moldable. 
Huh? Oh, I know. I threaten him. Let me ask you, how moldable are you in your life? That's why he didn't want to put it up. Because most of us are not moldable. Most of us have in our mind what we want. There, there have been seasons in my life where I have, I have prayed and I have asked God. I said, okay, God, I have a timetable here and this is how you are going to make my life happen. <laughs> and that's what he said. Yeah, right. <laughs> but isn't that how we are? But Joseph was moldable. Number two, he was dependent on God's grace and he showed grace to others. Because he was dependent on God's grace, he demonstrated grace. How much grace do we give? How much grace do we demonstrate to others? You want to find out how graceful of a person I am? Go for a ride with me. You know, it's a good thing that I do not have the um, Jaguar that, um, who's that spy? Oh, 007. You know, with the guns and the and all the stuff, man. I, I, I mean, there would be like dead cars like all over the place. There's something about stupid drivers that just tip me off the edge. I'm just, you know, I'm just like, especially, well, I won't go there. <clears throat> but honestly, how much grace do we, you know, we all have our little pet peeves, do we not? Mine, mine is stupid drivers. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. <laughs> But we all have our pet peeves. And my wife is constantly getting on me when I, when I start yelling at some driver. But how much grace do we truly demonstrate in our lives? Joseph was a man who demonstrated a lot of grace because he understood the grace of God in his life. Number three. He was willing to be different. Are you willing to be different for God? I hope so. Joseph didn't really care what people thought. He was going to do what he thought was right. Number four, he was willing to trust God's plan in his life. How willing are you to say, God, you have your way with me? Now, on the surface, that sounds like a really easy thing to do. But try it sometime. Now you know why Chris didn't want to put these up. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it sounds. But I'll tell you what, if you do, great peace and comfort will be part of your life. And then number five, then we'll be done. He was Not only was he willing to be different, but he's willing to make a difference.
And he was willing to make a difference. It's one thing to be willing to be different. And it's another thing to be willing to make a difference. To stand in the gap. To forgive. To do the things that Joseph did. He was willing to make a difference. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we come to you and as we bring our service to a conclusion, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, these questions at the end are challenging questions. And Lord, I just ask that you would have your way in our lives. Help us, dear God, to keep our focus on you so that we can be resolved to walk with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed,